Well, let's do this. Man, I don't does Wednesday before Thanksgiving have a name, Lucas? You're like a you're like a well traveled guy. You speak multiple languages. Does because Black Friday has a name. Is this like wacky Wednesday or something? A wonderful Wednesday? Not that I know of. It's just Wednesday. Okay. Wow. Uh, Alex Apple filling in again one more time for the hitman. I mean, you've been some places. Is, is, does today have a name? All I know is that Black Friday <laughs> is now extended into my Tuesday, my <laughs> Wednesday. I woke up this morning with 15 more emails than I would have anticipated to have because everybody was having a sale and they wanted 20% off this, 30% off this. Man. I mean, it must be a good time of year to be a commercial seller of merchandise of any kind, I guess. I don't know. My daughter Wednesday. My daughter works now. She's a teenager. She's got a job. And she said, Dad, I think they're going to start playing um, music uh, after Thanksgiving. And I said, I worked in retail all through college and even some after college till I could kind of figure out the next move or find a job in TV, which I was like you, once yep. Alex, former TV guy, me too. And I worked in retail, and I told my my daughter this. I said, typically in retail, you go in on Black Friday, and it's like the Super Bowl, and she works for a restaurant. Um, I said, it's like it's like the Super Bowl. You go in, and you've been preparing for it, and you've got stock rooms are full, and the shelves yeah. are all full, and you know you've got there's just so many things that go into it. You prep for it like it's the biggest game of your life, Black Friday. But then I said, really, this intensity stays up all the way through Christmas. But I said. I can remember walking in Black Friday, whatever I worked for Dillard's, whatever time I had to be there, there'd be music playing and it would be Christmas music. And the night before it was just, you know, soft rock instrumentals. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I'm, I'm all in on the Christmas music, like starting Friday morning at 9 a.m. See, it never broke me. Like by the end, and it would play through New Year's. I can remember, I can remember standing like at my cash register or putting things in a case or folding whatever or putting jackets on hangers. And the guys around me going, please, dear Lord, let the radio break so I can stop hearing this music. And I'm like, I'm totally fine it with it. It puts me in the spirit. I mean, I'm, totally I'm all okay about it. it. I mean, it's, a one, it's one month out of the year. I can live with that. I mean, maybe if you're working in a store for eight hours, I guess. We've already got, you know, we're going up to New England this weekend, going to see the Titans the Pats game. Uh, my wife is from New England, big Patriots fan. So is her family. My dad and her dad are going with us. And so we've already got the Christmas lights up on okay. the house. It's, they've actually been on the last two nights. That really wasn't the intention. But we had to get them up so that they would be ready when we came back because normally the weekend after Thanksgiving will be gone. But that would be the time to put up Christmas lights at our house. I'll tell you what, though. I'm, I'm having a, And I brought this up to you before the show, and i got to just get it off my chest. Yep. This is making a lot of people mad. so Go ahead triggered yep. by the Jonathan Taylor MVP talk. Yep. I am a... Firm believer that a running back should have a chance to win. It is so ridiculous, the ebbs and the flows, and how the the, the hype machine in the media gets tugged, right? I, I mean, I'm part of the media. I'm not here to, to bash that. But gets tugged in a direction because a guy scored five touchdowns. You know, it would be wonderful if, all right, who's done this before? Derek freaking Henry. Who got no love, right? But he scores five touchdowns, and it came against the Bills. And so everybody was watching because it was the Bills game. Here's one. Get the Bills out of your freaking number one spot in your power rankings. They're terrible right now. And they are healthy, right? So how about that be the reaction as opposed to, oh, I can't believe a running back is doing this. I've been so bothered by that all day. I've honestly gotten off of Twitter. But I'm, I'm, I'm doing the Frank Costanzo serenity now. It's Thanksgiving. I'm here to talk about what I'm thankful for. 
Um, but I had to get off that off my chest. It doesn't make any sense. Help me make sense of that, Mickey. I don't understand. I can't do it either because we've already seen a guy do everything that he's done and do it better. And it's like there are there are even national and I and I get it. National media people, you want clicks, you want eyeballs on stories, you want those things. So sometimes there's a motive behind what they do. But it's like Derrick Henry never happened. That's the part that I have a problem with. I, I said this earlier this week. Derrick Henry's still tied for the league lead in touches. He hasn't played in three weeks. It took Jonathan Taylor, what, two weeks to pass Derrick Henry after he wasn't playing to pass him in the rushing race. And the and the thing from you know other fan bases is, well, if Nick Chubb had that many carries, well, Nick Chubb doesn't play a lot. He gets hurt. Well, now Derrick Henry got hurt, but that was always Titans' argument back was, Part of what makes him who he is is his durability. Now he's got a broken bone in his foot, Derrick Henry. But the fact that so many people are acting like this is some astronomical thing, when go back and put any stretch that Derrick Henry has had over the same number of games, and it's more of everything, I, I don't get it either. All due respect to Jonathan Taylor, he didn't break off a bunch of 60-yarders. No. He had the ball inside the five enough times to score five times. The Bills were that bad. The Bills looked horrible. He's a good running back. You don't hear any of that either. It's like the Bills have quietly fallen to right. fifth in the power rankings. One spot out of theirs. I don't care what the power ranks are. I really don't. Yeah. Because they don't mean anything. The Titans keep winning. That will all take care of itself. But you don't even hear. if I'll tell you what. The Titans give up five touchdowns to a guy. You're in every context of talking about the Titans. You will hear about that moving forward. I, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I okay. had to get it off my chest. And, and we're objective. I'm not a bitter guy. I know. That's and, making me pissed and off. And it's our job to be objective. Like, one guy called in one night after the post-game show to Dice and Blaine him, and he goes, y'all ain't even mad. Y'all ain't even mad. <laughs> it was when the, it was the game they lost. Maybe it was the Jets game. Y'all ain't even mad. We said, it's not our job to be mad. Yeah, it is. You're Titans fans. It's like. I mean, I'm mad at the idea of it. Yes. You could insert. I mean, if, if it, Adrian Peterson ran for 200,000 yards on the Vikings last year, it would be ridiculous. Yes, it is. It's all been done. It's it's yes, it has, it has, it has, it has. Um, if you listened to the show yesterday, you might have heard the name Golden Tate a lot. Uh, wink, wink. And today, Golden Tate is on the Titans. They, as they usually do, right after three o'clock, they released this epic announcement of thirteen roster moves. One of them was that Golden Tate was added to the practice squad. I saw John Glenn. John Glennon is the is the ultimate like roster spot, adder, upper, subtractor. He immediately yeah. came up with their 52 spots. That leaves a spot for Golden Tate. I saw that tweet earlier today, JG. But uh, oh, I love getting on my Twitter, too. Like, one thing happens. Logan Woodside was placed on the COVID reserve list earlier yes. today, and oh, I yes. get seven tweets in a row. It all, yes. says, it all says the exact same thing. Well, sure. It's when you, love it. you, know, when you follow a team, you, you get that kind That's of right. thing. So Logan Woodside is on the COVID list. That happened today. Uh, Kevin Hogan is a practice squad quarterback. He's the only other quarterback that they have in any capacity. So it's it's Kevin Hogan. Now, we don't know. They can't say. Does Logan Woodside have it? Was he around somebody who had it? We don't know any of that stuff. So just watch over the next couple of days, and you'll know a whole lot more. Because if he's got it, then he's not going to be around. If he was a close contact and he's vaccinated, as Alex sat down earlier and he said, you know, it, it, it could be that he could test his way out of it or however that would work. So just watch that situation. I think if you're a Titans fan, you hope and pray you never even have to know who the backup quarterback is during a game. And I don't mean to turn this into a vaccine debate, but it's really important now at this point that Ryan Tannehill has that vaccine because that makes the protocol so much easier for him to play. Even if he was around Logan yeah. Woodside, it stands to reason he would have been around him. Now, we don't know if he has it or if Woodside was a close contact, but 
it's a whole lot easier when you've got that, and that's just the way they've set up the protocols. That's what they're trying to, to influence and push people that way, and it makes sense. So we, that's a situation to watch because linebacker Joe Jones is already on the COVID list from earlier this week for the Titans. So now that's two guys. Uh, so yesterday was busy. Again, wink, wink, if you listen to the show, we mentioned Golden Tate a lot. Uh, Golden Tate is on the practice squad with a running back named Rodney Smith and a wide receiver named Austin uh, return of the Mac and a defensive lineman named Kevin Strong, so maybe he will be. They were released a couple guys in the practice squad. Niall Scott, who's a defensive lineman that I didn't know was on it, uh, and Chris Rowland, the little wide yeah, receiver, Rowland. Uh, who continues his NFL odyssey. You know, I didn't know that they had was Buster Screen got called up to the active roster, right? No, they they signed him yesterday. They signed him yesterday. Okay, well, okay, makes sense. I didn't realize that he they was had him. Signed. He he was a serviceable. He went to UT Chattanooga. Yeah. Um, and he was a serviceable player for a couple of years for the Jets, Cleveland. I mean, I, I don't watch those teams religiously enough to tell you how strong was he, but he was playing in every game and starting in most games on a four or five year stretch. I mean, this has got to, I think I was, I think I'm like almost his age. So he's got to be almost 30 by now. It seems like he's been in the league for a while, but an interesting signing could help him. I, you know, we'll see what he's got left. So Dontrell Hilliard got signed off the practice squad. He was in elevation last week, meaning they could put him back on it, but he is. He is signed to the active roster because they have cut loose. They have waived Adrian Peterson. They tried. This was always a possibility that it could happen is they could try, and it just wouldn't work out. It didn't work out. He was 27 for 82 rushing. He did get a TD while he was here, so we'll always have that, kids. Uh, he averaged three yards per carry, and he was four receptions for eight yards. They tried. They needed somebody, and they tried. You know, I was thinking about the course of his career, it continues, right? I'm sure he'd like to sign somewhere again. But when you play this long and you're probably a Hall of Famer, right? I mean, you know, unless somebody's mad oh, about what no. happened off the yeah, what happened he, off the field. Yeah, he he would have to get in. You can call him a Hall of Famer. Okay, cool. we're gonna call him a surefire Hall of Famer then. Do you really want kind of your last image in the NFL to be sort of a an also ran that was out there for two, three games with the Titans or some other team wearing a single I mean, I digit think, number. I, I, think yeah. I would cut it off before then. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand he probably just loves to play and wants yeah. to play. But it's kind of a sad, unceremonious, probably the end of a career that really deserved a lot better ending than that. Football is the is you got to know when to go. Football is is the, is the weirdest thing. And there's a bunch of people listening. Football is the one sport that tells you when you are done. Most people don't get to tell it, I'm done. Because you can play basketball. Well, guess what? You can keep playing church league basketball forever. And you can play baseball. Well, there's adult baseball leagues. You can go play baseball. You can play softball forever if you want to. Yep. If you play golf or tennis, you can keep doing that. You know, you played that in high school or college or whatever. Football is the one thing, though, there's there's nothing else like it. So once once football says, we're done with you, there's no church league tackle football. Yeah. You know, there's no YMCA adult league tackle football. There's semi-pro teams and stuff like that. But for most people, if you finish high school and no college comes a call and football says, I'm done. You finish college and no pro team needs you. Football tells you I'm done. In the case of Adrian Peterson, it's taken till him, it's taken till he's 36 years old. But this could very well be football saying, hey, man. And I think back to Monday, we had run. David Beauclair on, and he was saying that he thinks it has to work out, that you hope Adrian Peterson gets better and funnel the ball to him. Yeah. You know, and here we are without him on the roster two days later, and you wonder, I think that's a really good sign for the Dontrell Hilliard lovers out there. I think that guy 
showed him a little something last week. He's got, is is McNichols going to be back this week? We don't know. Don't know. But he's going to be keenly involved. I would bet pretty heavily. Hilliard looked explosive, had fresh legs. He caught the ball. You still have Deontay Foreman, who's a bigger guy like Derrick Henry, who gives you that the bigger guy option. Um, the other thing that they did as we try to wade through all this, they did put Chris Jackson and Marcus Johnson on IR. I heard Mike Keith on J. Martin Ramon this morning, and Mike said Chris Jackson has an injury, and he's just tried and tried to play through it at different positions. But it makes sense of why he fell off the last couple Yes, of it does. Um, uh, Kari Blassingame is back in the – hey, have you got the sound effect for – off of IR, but not completely off of it yet. That's it. Uh, that's where Kari Blassingame is. He returned to practice, remains on injured reserve. You mentioned Buster Screen. The other one is John Simon, the outside linebacker who drifts on and off the roster. They needed a body at outside linebacker because you need Danico Autry in the middle of the line, and they had to play him outside. Not that he's not yeah. super talented, but he needs to be in the middle wrecking shop with Big Jeff. That's what I was trying to ask Coach Mack, and I know yeah. we got to take a break here. Yesterday, I, he, he's just not as effective on the edge. I mean, I think he's still a, an above-average player. Might even be a really good player on the edge, but he's that's not his best spot. Next to Big Jeff in the middle, love to see him that's there, and spot. hopefully he can play there on Sunday. That's a great point yesterday by Alex, for sure, because you did ask Coach Mack about that. All right. When we come back, Coach Doug Matthews is set to join us. Uh, one final regular season game on the Tennessee Vols schedule. Uh, been a, a really a, a, a nice year for Josh Heupel in year one. We'll get into all that with Coach Matthews next. First, though, you want some Preds tickets? Uh, Lucas is telling me he's got a couple in his pocket. He's ready to give them away. A pair of tickets, Preds Devils, 5 p.m. on Friday. You will be dying to leave your home and eat anything other than turkey leftovers. The Preds are hooking you up. They're getting you out of the house. Pair of tickets, 5 p.m. Friday against the Devils. This is like manna from heaven for all of you who will be locked in your house. Caller 5 gets them, 615-737-1045. Preds tickets on the line. Get them now. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy uh, Thanksgiving Eve to each and every one of you. Travel safe out there. Enjoy your time with your friends and your family. And it's okay. Eat a little extra Eat a little extra turkey or whatever you want. Have a second slice of pumpkin pie. We're all on board with that. We're also on board with this, our weekly visit with Coach Doug Matthews, who joins us now. Alex Apple filling in for Blaine today, Coach. Uh, Coach, as always, brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. I'm sure they want you to safely while you're making all your plans and getting around. And remember, if you have the extra fun this holiday season, if you put down some drinks, put down your keys. Remember, fans don't let fans drive drunk. Brought to you by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Coach, happy Thanksgiving uh, week to you, sir. Same to you. Always a great time of year. Kind of indicative of a couple of things. First, of course, a day to give thanks. But also, normally, this is the time that the season ends. Uh, for almost all the college football teams, at least the regular season. So be a big rivalry weekend all around the country this weekend. You got a little bit of uh, extra airtime coming up on Friday, right? Uh, people can be thankful for that. What uh, what you got cooking for Friday's show, Black Friday with the coach? Yeah, I'm doing a nine, the 9 to 11 Friday show. Now it will uh, run in conjunction with uh, the Saturday show. I'll still do that Saturday and Sunday. But uh been kind of planning this for a while, get a little special from 9 to 11. Going to have Todd Berry on, who's the executive director of the American Football Coach Association. We're going to we're going to get into not so much ball games, but uh, in this two hours, we're going to be talking about what's happening with the NCAA, uh, the way it's being uh, 
uh, well, really rebuilt, starting almost from ground up. Going to talk a little bit about name, image, likeness. Going to talk about the, the 12 team playoff, how that is affecting college football. Bobby Proctor will join me. He's a favorite of folks who've listened to the show over the years. And he's going to discuss with me what Texas and Oklahoma coming into this league going to be. Longtime Oklahoma coach, uh, also coached at Vanderbilt, also coached at Tennessee for a while. Uh, and then Kippy Brown. I'm uh, going to have Kippy Brown on to kind of catch up with Kippy. Kippy's moved down to sarasota florida but get his thoughts on this college football season so uh, talk a little bit about games but we're going to really dig into what's happening within the nca within college football what all the name image likeness what the ramifications of that appear to be with some with some people who certainly know all about it it's funny coach doug matthews our guest Coach, when all that was happening, you know, they, they were columnists, right? And this was the death of college athletics and people were acting like this black cloud was moving over the sport and it would never be the same. And I, I've watched games every Saturday and Tuesday and Thursday. I watch them all coach and it was still college football. It didn't look any different, even if a kid was, you know, getting paid for his tweets or getting free pizza or something. Yeah. And no, other than just a few of the maybe higher profile players, you don't even know much about it. There's quite a few of them that are getting something, uh, whether it be, uh, you know, the cookie monster up in Knoxville or, or <laughs> yeah, but, but you don't hear a whole lot about it. And that's probably the way it's going to be for a while. I, I think it will ramp up uh, maybe later somewhat, but you know, with, uh, we should have seen this coming. I think most people did when you, when you are having athletic departments now that are closing in on $200 million budgets, and once Oklahoma and Texas gets here, most of Southeastern Conference teams will be well over 150 million, just in just in athletic budgets alone. When you have coaches that are making getting 10 year contracts for 90, 100 million dollars, uh, some of that is going to trickle down to the players. I think it should. Uh, it's going to have to be some regulation in there, but I think they'll kind of play that as it goes. That's one reason why guys that the NCAA itself, the association itself needed to really kind of go away and come back in a different form because they were unable, uh, had, they had four or five, six years in all this to really kind of get their ducks in a row. They did not. Uh, so that's kind of where we are right now, but you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you, you got to adapt and adjust or adjust and adapt and, that's what coaches are going to have to do. and uh, But it's clear the direction that we're headed in now. Sure is. Coach Doug Matthews, our guest. Again, Tennessee Highway Safety Office making it possible right here on this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Coach Alex Apple here. Good to be on with you again. I want you to kind of set the expectation for this weekend for us a little bit. Tennessee, a 30-plus point favorite is usually something that's reserved for the Alabamas and Georgias of the world when you're playing a conference game. A, a pretty good compliment to how Tennessee's playing. But they should beat Vanderbilt. Certainly, if they don't, that would be a, a big uh, stubbing of the toe to end off uh, Heupel's first season. But when you have been in around enough locker rooms to say when you're going into a game like this where you're heavy favorites, you define success how? And what will you be watching this weekend against Vanderbilt? Well, I know what the coaches are going to be saying is uh, I was fortunate enough to be on some teams that were on the plus side of that. And then I was unfortunate enough to be on some teams that were on the negative side of that. But certainly what Coach Heupel is going to be talking about is just simply, I don't think he'll bring up the rivalry much at all, uh, maybe a little bit. But I think he'll really be talking about what they've done a very good job of this year is really playing good football 
football in almost every single game. They have not been sloppy. I think last week was a good example of that. No turnovers, very few penalties. Uh, I think he's just going to continue that. I think that's what he has kind of instilled in this team, the fact that uh, let's go out and play hard. Let's play our game. Uh, if things go wrong, let's hang in there and fight. They've done that. I anticipate they'll do that again this uh, this week. Uh, it's a it's different for Vanderbilt. Uh, both these coaches are first-year coaches. Coach Lee, of course, at Vanderbilt, but he's taken over a – uh, you know, Coach Hobble didn't have a great situation, but it was a good, significantly better than Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, talent-wise, just simply is not anywhere close to really any team in this conference. They uh, ask, are they rebuilding? I said, well, I don't think they're rebuilding. I think they're building. Uh, they, it's you know, it's really not not a rebuilding process. But I do think they've done some good things here at the end. They. They went, uh, they went with Mike Wright at quarterback. I don't know that he's a better quarterback than Seals. I wouldn't say that, but he's a different type. And with all the pressure that they've been getting, they needed a quarterback who can get out and run, and he's done that. I think their passing game last few games has picked up pretty significantly. But, uh, you know, they'll be, they'll be challenged in this game because I think Tennessee will play really well. And Tennessee is almost every single ball game has come out offensively and really been able to uh, – uh, to to dominate the, the first quarter and and uh, I think that that's probably what we'll, we're probably going to see. Uh, but uh, you know, you never you never know in these types of games. But being in Knoxville, uh, Tennessee playing the well they, way they are, the uh, the limitations that Vanderbilt has, I, I think this game is set up for Tennessee to win relatively easily. I think one of the things that's maybe most encouraging about the situation from a total outsider's perspective is that all of the players are ending this year feeling like the atmosphere is great. They're loving being on Rocky Top. They're thankful to be at Tennessee. Aside from just his style of play, what is the one thing, intangible thing, that Josh Heupel has done that's really changed the atmosphere and the culture up there? Because you just didn't hear people saying that. Not with Jeremy Pruitt at the end and really not with Butch Jones for a lot of the time. You know, Alex, I, I talked about that uh, with Coach Heupel a couple of different times, and uh, he didn't exactly say this, but it came. It, this is what came across to me. You know, he he came. Uh, he, he was a junior college player. Uh, started out a small school, Weber State. Went to a junior college, and then was fortunate enough to to get an opportunity to go to the University of Oklahoma. And I, I really believe that the atmosphere that he has tried to create up there and has created, quite frankly, is is the one that that Bob Stoops had at Oklahoma, where it's not a, all about chewing a guy out, getting on him every time he makes a mistake. It's more of a, uh, you know, a, a a a a fun, I would say, type atmosphere. I've watched Coach Heupel uh, in ball games every opportunity I can. You don't see him chewing guys out. You know, he gets his point across, and I think players enjoy that. And you can tell they're they're having fun by by their comments and by, by the way they're playing. They're having fun playing and. Uh, I, I, I put that all on the head football coach and this staff that he's put together. He's he's made it very plain to this staff that uh, what he expects and uh, and I, th- I think that's carried over and and that's why they're on a they're in a good position right now. Listen, recruiting is going to go well uh, if you are a quarterback or a receiver anywhere in the country and Tennessee's talking to you. You're certainly going to look. Uh, so he's, he's got a lot of things going, uh, going, going right, right now. And, uh, both on the field and off the field and all those are positives. 
Coach, one of the the players who I've just I've enjoyed watching him get a chance this year. We knew he was a a good return man, a good special teamer. But Valus Jones, I think Tennessee fans have been waiting just to see this guy kind of get used and and get opportunities, and he's gotten opportunities this year. To me, he's been one of the more fun guys to watch on the team and watch his development. And that and that young man has really put himself in an opportunity to to go and maybe make a mark in the beginning, at least as a special teamer for an NFL team, Valus Jones. You know, I guess you would have to say probably offensively that that uh, Hendon Hooker is uh, is going to be the MVP there. It's easier for a quarterback, particularly in that offense. But you're exactly right. As I watch Velas Jones, I love watching him play. Number one, he returns kickoffs, he returns punts. Yep. He does a darn good well of both those. And in judgment, knowing when to fair catch on the on the on the kickoff, uh, knowing when to fair catch on the punt. Uh, and then he's had some big plays off that. But not only does he have the speed and athletic ability to beat you deep, which he does, he is one of the best catch the ball shorty. He's a physical-looking guy, and he's a physical runner. And he takes short passes and turns them in, into long passes. And a play happened last week that that uh, uh, that really kind of showed me what type of a player he is. On an interception – he came back and made a tackle and stripped the ball on the guy that intercepted it. Now, believe me, I've been around a few wide receivers that wouldn't have bothered to do that, but he's a, he, he's a clearly, I don't know how vocal a team leader is, but he is clearly a team leader. And if you'll notice, I bet when it's all said and done, there's not an offensive player other than quarterback that, uh, that has as many snaps as he does because he's on, on all the kicking teams also. Coach Doug Matthews, our guest here on Blaine and Mickey. Coach, and I, I'm wondering, too, as there's going to be a lot of analysis of Josh Heupel's recruiting in the next three, four months, right? And he's had a successful first season by a lot of measures on Rocky Top. But I wonder now if how much, and college coaches will differ on this, a lot of people look at, when I see a hole in my roster, I'm going to go get it off the guy that transferred from Michigan State. Or the guy that transferred from Georgia Tech that I know has a college-ready body. I've seen him do it in some capacity before. As opposed to having to go to, you know, Knoxville Catholic High School and, and pick up the three-, four-star receiver that they've got over there. I mean, I, you know, the, there's not a ton of commits. in Tennessee's um, class right now is ranked ninth in the SEC and 24-7. A lot of people would say it could be better. But I'm wondering if you're just now at the point in the football recruiting world where you hold a lot of spots to plug those with transfers when the time comes. I mean, do you have a good read on how they approach that now? Well, Tennessee's uh, got, got kind of a unique situation because of the uh, recruiting infractions. In all likelihood, there is going to be some type of, of scholarship reduction now. Two, four, eight, ten, you know, I don't think it'd be. It can't get any ten. lower than it was this year, right, Coach? They only got 70 scholarship guys. They, they do. Uh, they do. Now, they were helped out a little bit this year because they had the COVID seniors, yeah. and they had, uh, I think, nine or ten uh, of those. But uh, his right now, he's setting at 14 or 15 high school. Don't think you'll see many more of those added unless it's a really great player. But they are they are locked into the last year, this year, but last year getting the players. Next year, his first three years there – He's pretty much locked into getting somewhere between seven, eight, and ten transfers. I mean, that's that's the way this team is made up right now because uh, not a whole lot of freshmen came in last year. 
uh, and there's several positions, linebacker, offensive line, defensive line in particular, that he's going to have to hit that transfer portal. Knows that. I think they go know exactly where they're going. You know, I, I talked to uh, a, a, uh, a university coach uh, this past week. I think Tuesday of this week, 75 players hit the transfer portal. And probably by now, by the end of this week, there's going to be 100 that just are coming out just this last week. So there's going to be a lot of players there. One of the things that, uh, you know, the quarterback position, uh, we got two quarterbacks. Both of them could come back. Both of them could leave. Uh, Both of them could, uh, one of them could, one of them couldn't. So depending on what happens with those two quarterbacks, uh, he may be in the in the uh, market for a, for a transfer quarterback also, but uh, without question, they will be big players this year and next year as they were this past year in the transfer portal. They're going to have to be because of the makeup of the of the scholarships on this team. And you brought up the the transfers, or rather, the ability to go pro. When I look at the case for Cedric Tillman and Hendon Hooker to go pro, they're going to get a draft grade. They're going to know kind of where they sit. Well, I would imagine there's a big allure to coming back and trying to add that. Now, Hendon Hooker is getting quite old. I don't know how much NFL teams are going to factor that in. He's already 24 years old, I believe. But wouldn't you think there's a big allure to maybe give it one more run in Knoxville? Well, there is, but uh, also there's you know that allure of, uh, of, of, of for both of them and, and other players too. Uh, Alante Taylor's a young man that that could come back. Uh, there's only like five or six team kids on this team that, that do not have the ability to come back. Now, that doesn't mean they will, but because of the COVID year that affects everybody, uh, Alante Taylor, my understanding, is uh, has agreed to play in one of the All-Star games. Well, obviously, that means that he probably won't be coming back. I don't know if that's official yet or not. Uh, don't know if it's right or not. But, uh, uh, no, both, uh, both those young men, you know, very easily could leave. And uh, both of them could stay, uh, but that's that's kind of the way that's kind of the way every college team sees right now. Once you're there three years, you're eligible for the draft. Hooker, as we know, was was not a originally uh, signed with Tennessee. He was a Virginia Tech player. He's a transfer youngster anyway. But uh, the good thing is, Coach Coach Heupel will probably already has a good idea. Certainly, after this ball game, we'll sit down and talk with every one of those young men and. Uh, kind of map out, map, map out some type of path on that. And Hindenhooker's 23, but he will be 24 in January. Okay, there you go. Uh, coach, on the way out. Yeah, you know, what, what, one thing about Hooker that's going to help him, his, his, his mom and dad. Uh, you know, his dad uh, is a player, uh, and he's got, he got two parents there that, you, uh, you know, I've heard great things about. They'll all sit down as a family. So it, this, this will be something – I'm sure they've already talked about it, but uh, – It'll be a family position, uh, a decision. Obviously, the, the young man's going to make the decision when it's all said and done. But he's he's got some good people there talking to him. And from everything I know about Coach Hopper, I think Coach Hopper is going to be very honest with him. Say, listen, I think you need to go. Don't want you to, but I think you need to go. And I think he'll have that same feeling with uh, with all of the young men. That's one thing they like about him. I think he's, you know, he doesn't treat them like just players. He treats them like young men. And 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 I think as best he can treat him like if they were his son, what they would do. You can't always do that, but I, I think that's one of the things he tries to do. Coach, we got about a, a minute left. I, I, I'm just curious to get your thoughts. Senior day when I worked in college athletics in every sport, that was so tough for me. 
when I was on staff and working because you get so attached to those young people and what great, amazing people they are and overachievers and all those things. But how did you help manage emotions of yourself and your staff and your players on such an emotionally charged day as senior day? Well, it's always a great day because, number one, and, and, and let's just talk about it, Tennessee. I'm sure it's this way almost everywhere else. Uh, the fans make it a special day. Uh, and, you know, you have the parents there who have, who have gone through so much, many of them traveling long distances to see their son play. Uh, I believe that every senior, and I'm, I think I'm 100% sure on this, uh, I've been assured on this, every senior will, has all, will have already graduated by the end of this semester. So all those young men are going to be graduates uh, and, uh, that, that's, you know, Dr. Joe Scoggin does a wonderful job of that. And it is, it, it is emotional, but the thing of it is, even for the players, you, you, you've kind of, you know, but if you're a player or a coach very long, you, you, you can be a little emotional, but you also have a game to play. And certainly you, no, no senior wants to lose a ball game. The, the last one they're going to be playing in Neyland. So, uh, I wouldn't anticipate that. I think Tennessee will play really well. I really do. I think they'll play well. They're relatively healthy. Uh, and uh, I think Vanderbilt will probably play hard. I, I just don't think uh, Vanderbilt has a, as the old saying goes, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, has enough rear end to kick rear end, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Coach, thank you. Uh, so you will be on Friday, right? Nine to 11 here on the zone. Uh, and then people always know you from football Saturday and big orange Sunday as well. Thank you for the time today, coach. And uh, can't wait to try to catch some of that Friday show. You bet. Take care. Happy Thanksgiving, coach. Yes, sir. Happy, Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Coach Doug Matthews. Love having him on. We do it every week, Tennessee. Highway Safety Office. All right, the Titans made 13 transactions literally yesterday alone. What's it like to try to be the quarterback of a team when you're just constantly meeting new teammates, Ryan Tannehill weighs in on that next. Blaine and Mickey, 104.5 The Zone. Happy Thanksgiving Eve to you. Alex Apple hanging out for the Hitman. You pumpkin pie guy? Oh, yeah. That's oh, what yeah. they people either love that or hate it. People either what, think it's just the devil's, you know, toe jam or they family think it's Thanksgiving the, tonight. I can't wait. Oh, you got tonight? You're gonna tonight, break it I'm off. Ha- oh get, getting out of here. I'm going to Walmart to buy trash bags, <laughs> and then I'm getting yeah. over there. Don't mess with Alex Apple. He's got a big weekend <laughs> plan. Um Titans made 13 transactions yesterday. Again, if you'd listen to the show, you might have had an inkling that Golden Tate would be one of them. Uh they also waived the Hall of Famer Adrian Peterson. Not really a surprise. They continue to bring guys in as Buster Screen is now on the team, who's a longtime NFL veteran quarter, cornerback. Um, but it's interesting. Jimmy Wyatt today, uh, Ryan Tannehill spoke, and, of course, he had still keep answering a lot of questions about the interceptions in the last game. But the last question, that it, it, Jim Wyatt, do we have the question or just the answer, Lucas? So Jimmy Wyatt basically said, all these new people are showing up. So does, does Vrabel introduce them in a – in like a public setting in the meeting room, or do you just go over to their locker? How in the world has this been like for you having, well, it's, it was 82 last week, so whatever the number is going to be after this week, different teammates. This I think was, Golden Tate is the record breaker. If he's okay. active. I mean, I think okay. that's true. So this was the Titans quarterback. We're all, I mean, we're all marveling at what they're doing. Think about being the quarterback, the leader of this team. This is what Ryan Tannehill said. Yeah, it's uh, it's been wild, you know. I feel like, 
you know, we always have a little bit of turnover, but this year it's been, it's been heavy. You know, I think yesterday in the team meeting when he introduced the new guys, I don't remember how many, it was probably like six or seven guys. And uh, so you're trying to look around and, and match a name with a face and, and uh, remember it and then, you know, go up to these guys and introduce yourself and welcome them to the team. Um, but like I, I said, everyone's trying to try to fight and get this team ready to go. If we can add some guys that can help us, then I'm all for it. That's the Titans quarterback. You're trying to put a name with a face um, and win games in the NFL, the highest level of football. And you're trying to remember, okay, is this guy, uh, is that Buster? Is that him? I remember seeing him on. This is what you're trying to win with right now. There's got to be a couple lockers in that locker room that's had five, six guys in it already this year. Have to be, and with all the guys on IR, and with a sixteen-man practice squad, if you ever, you know, if you've been in an NFL locker room for the longest time, there were fifty-three people on the team, and then there were ten people on the practice squad. I, I think that the number was ten. Well, now there's sixteen people on the practice squad, and thank God for it. And the IR guys don't just go away. The ones on three-week IR, at minimum three. They can all come back, so they're engaged. And you and used it, to couldn't go on IR. Well, it, yeah, if you were going to come back. You and, were done for the season. Right. If you got put on IR, then it was like what the one guy could return, which people were wearing Buck Rising out about that with Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Butler. Butler. Uh, I hope they never change these rules. I hope they never change the current rules. I hope they keep the practice squad big because that's more jobs for more guys. I hope they keep the deal where you can bring guys up and put them back down without waving them. Because um, you have to, you used to have to wave a guy off of your roster to get him back on the practice squad, and you can you don't have to do that with a, a handful of guys this year. You can protect guys. I love these current rules. I think the roster even needs to be bigger now that it's seventeen games, and they're all going to add an eighteenth game at some point. I think the roster should be added to. But um, it is interesting to hear the quarterback of an NFL team say that. Like, yeah, you know, here it was a handful more guys today. What do you say? It, it was a pretty big number of guys and. You know, Mike introduced them, and I'm trying to put their name with their face. But uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Somebody tweeted this today, like what the magic number is for the Titans because the Colts are, you know, they've suddenly got the greatest running back since Jim Brown, and they're the greatest MVP. team in the NFL since, you know, just picked the greatest team in NFL history, and it just seems like it's never going to stop. As somebody pointed out, the Titans would have to go 3-3 three and three, uh, the rest of the way, and the Colts would have to go, what, 5-1. and one. Or six and zero, I think even at this point to pass them. Oh yeah, they'd have to win one game better, so it'd be three and three or six and zero. They'd have to win Correct. an extra game because the Titans have the tiebreaker over them. Right, because three and three would put the Titans at eleven and six. Six and zero for the Colts. Right, we we'll get you the twelve and twelve five. games. It's the only way they can do it, they cannot lose. So, I, I know you know you you want the number one seed and you want all these things to happen. But if you look at this team and the health of this team and Bud Dupree's out and Julio's out there on IR and there's a bye week next week, nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to lose two games in a row and nobody's conceding that. But you don't have to do a whole lot of work left to win the South. With all these injuries, it's a miracle that they're 8-3 and three right now. It's an absolute miracle. Mike Rabel has pulled off one of the greatest coaching jobs at least through this point of a season. Yeah, no isn't it? The season's not over. We don't know what's going to happen. But it's been pretty amazing up until now. And even if you don't like Vrabel, if you don't believe that, you need to believe that because they're, they've literally, they're about to break the record of number of guys who've played in a game for a team. And the quarterback is saying, yeah, this week it was four or five more guys I had to meet. So you're winning games that way. 
Sure, they ran out of gas, it looked like, against the Texans last week. Nobody knows what's going to happen on Sunday. I think they'll play hard. They always do. Vrabel does his best coaching when their backs are against the wall. But if they can somehow just hold the boat in the water and wait till after that bye week, it could get really interesting for this team. Let's say, and I'm not even talking about Derrick Henry. We don't know. Bud Dupree gets well. A.J. gets healthy. Julio Jones gets healthy. Oh, don't tempt us now. But but what if all that started to happen? But you're right. Then this team becomes not just a team that scrappy and finds a way to win. Then this team becomes like, wow, it's the best front four in football with Bud Dupree. Wow, that might be the best tandem of wide receivers in the NFL when they're both healthy that Ryan Tannehill has at his disposal. And then as far as the running back situation, that gives you some more time to figure out, okay, who's going to be our guys? We try to run this thing into January and February. Somebody said to me about a week ago, do you think the Titans are peaking too early? Peaking too early? They don't even have the roster that they're going to hopefully carry into the playoffs right, right now. Right. You know, and I think that does, if you can find a way to win without some of these guys, it makes the rest of the roster a lot deeper for having gone through that experience, and then you get them back, and all of a sudden you've really got something. And an interesting note for the game this weekend against the Patriots, who are as hot as can be, the Titans are 4-1 and one on the road this season. They've also played well at home, but they're 4-2. and two. The Patriots at home are just 2-4, and four, mm-hmm. but they're 5-0 and oh on the road. I don't know why they've not played well at their home stadium. They lost to the Dolphins at home earlier this year, a game they certainly shouldn't have lost. So, you know, it is just, we said it yesterday, it would be so Mike Vrabel to coach them up <laughs> to a win and look, you know, pretty decent pulling out and scrapping out a victory in New England on Sunday. We got to pull out the second hour of this program and scrap our way through it. We'll do it. Blake Topmeyer set to join us right around uh, 220. We'll get all the latest. It's rivalry week in college football. There's college coaching openings. There's all this stuff. We'll discuss that with Blake Topmeyer. Headlines next, including, if you haven't heard, a Titans player, another one has gone on the COVID list. We'll tell you who. Give you the details next. Blaine and Mickey with special guest host Alex Apple on 104.5 The Zone.